Gemara on, we're up to 41, you know, Mem Aleph. The Gemara, the last Gemara finished with this line of the top of the page was talking about the idea of going swimming on, on Shabbos or Yom Tov, the idea that it's forbidden to go swimming because you might end up making yourself um, a raft. You, know, you might, you might a raft or something of that nature, that you might cut something off of a tree to, um, to allow yourself to help swim, maybe some sort of paddle of that nature. So you're not allowed to do that. And then the, the, the halacha was that, that that is extended, this enactment, this decree is extended also to cases of where you have a something similar to a large lake or a pool, even though it's not actually. So are you jumping ahead? I thought the... Uh, no, it's 41 today. I thought it was, uh, the last thing was about swimming in a above ground pool. It wasn't about a raft. Well, it was just no. whether there was an embankment or not, right? Correct, but but really to discuss, well, what's the whole deal with that in the first place? Why are you not allowed to go? So what are we even discussing, right? So the Gemara. Oh, I thought, it, yeah, it was like a life preserver, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I was at a life preserver. I, I guess that's, I don't know. I mean, when I when I learned to say, yeah, I didn't assume life preserver, I assumed more like a raft, you know, something. In mm. other words, just for me, in my mind, I think life, life preserver, I'm thinking of what they have today. Presumably, they didn't have that in those days. So it would mean something more like to cut, to cut a branch that will, you'll hold on to that branch to help you swim, you know, something more of that nature. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that, that was the original Taikana, that therefore you're not allowed to go swimming on Shabbos or because you might come to cut off a branch. And the question is, how far do they go with the Taikana? Do they even go so far as to say that anything's similar at all, or does it have to be pretty similar? And then the question really was, the end of the Gemara, I'm just not sure how far people got, was that the last line of the Gemara, the top of the Malach, discusses, do we say that this goes so far as to even talk about a, um, a above-ground pool that does not look similar to a... Um, it doesn't look similar to a to an in-ground pool. Do we still make an enactment over there that you're not allowed to go swimming in there on Shabbos or Yom? Now, this is not at all related to taking a shower. By the way, taking a shower is a completely different, completely different chesed. And taking a shower um, is not included in this takana. Taking a shower is included in the earlier gemaras, the ones from yesterday and the day before um, about taking a shower on on Shabbos or Yom Tov, why or why not it would be permitted. Um, so there, there's the famous tshuva from Ramosha Feinstein that allows taking a, um, a cold shower in certain limited circumstances on Shabbos, but freezing cold, obviously, because when it comes to Shabbos, obviously, anytime you turn on hot water on Shabbos, you're violating the Torah prohibition. And Yom Tov, if you turn on hot water, you might not be violating the Torah prohibition, assuming that it might not even be a rabbinic prohibition. That's already a question. But on Shabbos, you turn on hot water, you're in a problem. So Ramosha Feinstein says, Let's say, and, and I know in Florida, in, um, I, in Hollywood, Florida, I know many people avail themselves of this. I'm not saying whether they or shouldn't do. But Moshe Feinstein does say that if you're, you're going to be dealing with a situation where you're, you're sweating, you're soaked through and through, and it's completely killing your Ainik Shabbos, and you'll jump into the shower for, for two minutes, a very cold shower, without turning on the hot water at all, Moshe Feinstein does seem to allow that. Now, obviously, no soap, and obviously, using a towel is questionable, so it's not a particularly enjoyable experience. That being said, um, I, I know that my father-in-law Shul in Hollywood, Florida, in Young Israel, Hollywood, when you go there Shabbos afternoon, Mincha time, there are many people coming in looking a little bit too clean for a Shabbos afternoon in 95 degree weather. Not asking any questions, but they also did see them on the basketball court earlier in the day. So that, that's why one would say that maybe it's not a good idea to, to take showers because it also then allows people to... You can play basketball on Shabbos? That's where I'm going with this. It's not the best idea either. And certainly, to go play basketball on Shabbos afternoon. But you're afternoon, not supposed to spit if you can avoid it. Right, that's what I'm saying. So to go play basketball on Shabbos afternoon in 90 degree weather, 
and then go take a cold shower. I don't think that's what Moshe Feinstein really had in mind, but whatever, either way. Yom Tov is a little bit more acceptable. Yom Tov, as I think we discussed this in the past, and Yom Tov, definitely, if you, if you uh, the, the best option would be to go into the shower with a dirty dish, turn on the hot water to clean the dirty dish. Once you're turning on the water to clean the dirty dish, then you'd be permitted to go into the, the hot water now and take your own shower. You should do Aver la Aver. You should not do your whole body at once. Do, you know, don't do your whole, whole body in at once. It should be like part of your body at a time. But that's really, you know, so Yom Tov is easier. Probably should have told people that before Yom Tov if you didn't already know that. But let's do today's Gemara. If I'm Reb Zera, so Reb Zera says like this. The previous Gemara was talking about Reb Zera seeing Reb Avo, and his question was, what, what exactly was Reb Avo doing at the time? So now, similar Gemara. Reb Zera says like this. Ana chazisei Reb Avo, I saw Reb Avo, sheniach yadav kineget panav shalmata, v'leyadana inage ileinaga. I saw that Reb Avo was in a situation, and he put his hand, was blocking his, his, uh, his organ, right? And I don't know if he was touching it or not. Since the delay nugget, the says, obviously he wasn't touching it. Why? The tiny, we learned in a bicycle. is that anybody who holds on to his organ while he is urinating, then it is as if he is bringing a flood to the world, right? It's ki'ilu, right? It's not literal, but it's ki'ilu. What is this referring to? <coughs> so Rashi explains that the Dara Mabel, the generation that brought the flood to the world, what they were guilty of, among other things, is of being they were causing themselves to, you know, to ejaculate without, um, without, the, without one of the reasons in which it will be permitted, right? For the sake of having children or for the sake of, um, of being together with one's wife. So because they were busy doing that, that's what brought the mabel to the world. So the Gemara is saying is like this, it's a Gemara need. And the Gemara tells us that if you go into the bathroom, you should make sure not to hold on to your organ. Why? Because if you hold on to your organ, it's very possible that you'll end up start thinking things. And when you start thinking things, you may end up causing yourself to ejaculate. So clearly he couldn't have touched his organ because why would he do that? It might cause him to ejaculate. It might cause him to touch your organ. It's, it's forbidden, right? It's forbidden on a very strong type of idea that it's as if you're bringing a flood to the world. So Amr Abayah says, Asiyo kit So Abayah says, no. The reason why he might have been willing to touch it is because it might have been similar to a Beleshes. What's Beleshes? <laughs> Beleshes is a Mishnah. Mishnah tells us that if the army is coming to town and they come into this city, the Tanan. The army of troops come into the city. The Shash Shalom, it's a time of peace. There are barrels of wine that are already open that were unsealed, right? Now you come in and you see that they the came through this, the, the tavern and you see that there were barrels of wine that were unsealed. The assumption is that they might have picked up those barrels of wine to drink or open them up to open up the spigot. And when they did so, they might have then come, they might have made um, libations from that wine to Abodazara idol worship and then that what that would do is that would make the wine that would make the rest of the wine forbidden as yayin nesa so if there are barrels that are open the assumption is and it's a time of peace the assumption is that these soldiers took some of the wine and they made the wine forbidden to drink stumas if the barrels are sealed that they are permitted to drink from so if there's stumas the assumption is they're already sealed then the assumption is that they did not reseal them so if they're sealed it must be they never opened them in the first place now that's all true when it's a time of peace it's in time of war both of them are permitted. Whether the barrels are open now, whether the barrels are closed now, you're permitted to benefit from those barrels of wine. Why? Why aren't we concerned that perhaps they took some of it and used it in libations? Because when the time of war, there's no time for them to actually stop and start um, drinking the wine or, or turning it into a situation where they're taking the wine for libations. There's no time on their mind for that. They're busy fighting. Allah, well, what do we see from here? Can we see from here that if you're busy with you're busy and afraid 
and busy thinking about exactly what you're in the middle of fighting, then you're not going to have time. You're not going to have the, the presence of mind to actually make libations from this wine. Achinami, so to over here, we should say. Even the is Maybe you should say that if someone's standing in a river, even if he is holding onto his organ, there's not a concern that perhaps he'll come to ejaculate. Why? Because he's busy doing, he's busy being afraid of the river. So what's the question? Where asks, what are you talking about? What's the what's the fear over here that, that's going to cause him not to think onto her thoughts? He's afraid of the river that maybe the current will come and overflow him or something, or it'll cause him to overturn. Any is this so? is a different concern. The first concern is that he could not have been actually touching it. The Mars says, no, he could have been touching it because perhaps he'd be concerned, and therefore the whole concern that if you touch yourself, you might come to have thoughts and then you'll come to ejaculate and masturbate. That's not such an issue over here because he has other thoughts about the river. But what about a different concern? The concern is like this. If someone blocks their aver, blocks their organ from other people seeing it, right? We'll have to discuss exactly what this is referring to. The Gemara itself is going to discuss that. But if you do that in a way to indicate that you are ashamed of your circumcision, that's a terrible sin. Why? It's as if you have denied the covenant that Avram Levino made, the covenant of the bris milah. How are you denying that? Because you're covering it over. You're saying, I'm ashamed of my bris milah. You're saying you're ashamed of your bris milah. You're someone who does not believe that he's worthy of the, does not think that this is important, this connection with Avram Levino. Like Ashton, so, so you can't tell me that he was blocking his organ, right? We're getting back to the question, which is that, why is Abzera saying, I saw him blocking his organ? Why would he block his organ? Is he, is he ashamed of the covenant that he has with, with Hashem, the bris milah, like says no. If you're covering your bris milah in a in a way that people aren't going to be staring at it anyways, then that shows that you're embarrassed about it, right? But if you're covering it because you want to be tzniyus, you want to be modest, then you don't want it's it's not so modest to walk around exposing yourself, right? So if that's what you're covering it, then of course that's okay. He had the rava because the rava would go down to the river, shachi he would bend over so people couldn't see himself and see him. Zera zaki Zera would stand straight. He wasn't as concerned about this uh, the modesty issue. When they were going down to the river Zakti, they would bend over, Kikasati, when they would come, I'm sorry, when they were going down, they would stand straight. When they would come back, Kikasati, when they're coming back up in the river, and people would see them, Shaki, they would bend over, right? This is a question of, um, you know, mikvah, mikvah protocol, right? So depending on which mikvah you go to, and depending on how often you go to the mikvah, you may find yourself not as comfortable as the Hasidic guy who goes there every day. But when I went to um, the summer camp in uh, Camp Roshraga, so there was uh, there was showers in the mikvah and there were showers behind the bunkhouse. But there was like one shower behind each bunkhouse because it was a Hasidish, well, not Hasidish, but it did also have a lot of Hasidim in this summer camp. So um, my yeshiva went there for like four weeks in the summer. So we had our own program on their on their um, on their premises. So there wasn't enough room in the shower for everybody to take a shower on Friday. So at the same time, let's say with hot water, so some of us would go to the the mikvah. Now the problem is that that mikvah for litvaks, for litvaks to go to this mikvah and their showers don't have any, um, there's no curtains, there's no nothing. So you go to the mikvah and most of us at least did not want to take a shower in front of a bunch of people. So we would always like wear a baby suit in and the Hasidim would sit there laughing at us that we're such babies. But I look at it as though we were being more modest than them, but maybe they're right. I'm not sure. The Gemara is unclear about what our attitude should be about, about uh, going to the mikvah in front of other people. Okay. Um, so we learned this already in Brachas, right? The Rebzera did not want, Rebzera did not want his Rebbe, Rebbe Huda, to know that he was planning on going to Eretz Yisrael. Because why? 
the Amar Rebbe Yehuda, because Rebbe Yehuda said, anybody goes from Babel Eretz Yisrael, anybody goes from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, Oyger Ba'asei has violated a positive commandment. And it says, Bivala Yuvau, Bishama Yehu. It says, in, as Pasuk is in Yemiyo, when we say Asei over here, we don't mean a, a Torah level Asei, we mean some sort of Nevi'im Asei, some sort of a, a prophet's Asei. Wait so a second, that, wait, 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 wait. You can make falafel from from Yes, yeah, so I'm middle of saying that, right? So it doesn't mean that literally that this is one of the 613. It means that Yehuda derives from the fact that Yermio described the that we should go to Bava and we should remain in Bava, that he felt like that was some sort of a, 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 a Nevi'im type of mitzvah. Now, Nevi'im is, there's something called Dibre Kabbalah. Dibre Kabbalah means something that we have received from the Nevi'im. And that does have status. You know, it's, it's something that's more important than... Um, it's, it's on a higher level than rabbinic in general, but it's not quite there, right? So it's not quite Torah level either. But the Yehuda felt strongly that you are not permitted to go back to Eretz Yisrael until Hashem brings us back. So Amar So he wants to go hear something from him before he goes back to, before he goes to Israel, but without actually telling him he's going to Israel. Mostly, right? We had, this is the, it was the beginning of the same story in, in, um, in Brachas, but this is a little bit of a different actual version that he heard from him. He, he, I guess he went more than once before he left. I came to check him out, to go ask him, you know, to hear whatever he had to say before I went to Israel. And what did I see? I see him in the bathhouse. And he says to his attendant, He says, bring me Nasser, which is um, So Rashi says, what's Nasser? Nasser is some sort of, um, I guess, their primitive type of shampoo, something that they would use to, uh, to clean their, their head. And he said, bring me also a comb. And then he said, then he started speaking in, um, in Aramaic, Rashi says, and he switched to Vafiku Havla and take, breathe in the good ear, and drink from the bathhouse water. Okay. So he says, he says, if I would not have come to only to hear these words from him, it would have been enough that I came to hear these words. So the Lord is now saying, what is so important to hear these words from him? What, do you, what did you learn from these words that it was so important to come? The Lord says like this, if it comes to the Nasser and the Master, that we understand why it was important. Why was it important? Because what you learned from here is that it's permitted to talk about things related to completely um, profane matters and talk about them using Hebrew talk about them in the bathhouse. You're permitted to do so as long as it's on Dvarim Shabachal, things which are completely profane matters. That which he said, open up your mouth and breathe deeply from the ear, the hot air in this area, right, the Schmitz. That's also teaching us something. Why? Because says that when you, if you, if you um, I think that's what they used to say. I don't think they say this anymore, but um, it's a medical idea that if you, if you're very, if you have like a fever, then you should make yourself even hotter and it'll sweat out the fever type of idea, right? Um, let me see. Yeah, I mean, for some reason that if you, if you get hotter, then it's going to bring out the sweat. And they looked at the sweat as being, uh, you know, something that will help, uh, has beneficial practices. Why did you say that you should go drink the water of the bathhouse? What was the advantage of this? The Tanya learned that So the Gemara says like this. The Gemara now goes through certain things that are related to eating and drinking, and in general, good practices about eating and drinking. The halacha getting involved from a medical perspective. It says that if somebody is eating food but doesn't drink at all, then his food will be like blood, right? So in other words, it's not... It's not healthful to eat food without drinking anything to wash it down. The Gemara says you shouldn't be drinking during the meal, but you should drink at the end of the meal. And this is going to be the beginning of getting some sort of uh, intestinal disease. 
Let's say you eat food and you don't walk four amas after eating the food. Right? This is a famous halacha, right? That it, it's good for your for your uh, for digestive system to go walk after eating, but to go eat a big meal and then go sit down in your in your bed, go to sleep right then, or as our parents used to say, to go uh, swimming right then. These are not good, right? You wanna you wanna take a, an easy constitutional that would be good for you. If you don't do that, you know what's gonna happen. This is gonna be the beginning of causing you to have bad breath. And this is when the kavav achal someone has to go to the bathroom, but instead they eat when they have to go to the bathroom. This is similar to a, a oven that was heated up on top of its own coals, like the ashes, the, the coals that have been turned into ash already, right? That's not a good thing to be to be um, eating food when you should be <coughs> going to the bathroom first. So you're going to eat the food, then right after this, you can go to the bathroom. That, that's silliness. This is the beginning of giving yourself um, B.O., basically. If you go into the hot water, but you don't drink from that hot springs at the same time. This is similar to an oven that was heated up from the outside, not heated up from the inside. Right? How foolish that would be to have a tanner that's heated up from the outside and not, did not get heated up from the inside, right? And that is clearly trying to say, that's what you do. If you if you go into the, you put your body into the water, but you don't put your the water into your mouth, that's the equivalent of heating up the outside of the oven, not heating up the inside of the oven. I don't know exactly what the idea is, though, what, it's hard to know what the restorative effects of going to a shitz was their eyes. Let's say you go into hot water, but then after you go dip into hot water, but then afterwards you don't wash off with cold water. It's similar to iron that you stuck into the hot fire, but you do not afterwards put it into cold water, right? To temper it. If you go in and you don't put oil on your smear oil on yourself afterwards, it is similar to pouring water on top of a barrel. If you pour water on top of a barrel, nothing's going to happen. You want to pour the, world, pour, pour the water into the barrel, right? So the Gemara says that that is similar to pouring water on the, up, on the outside of the barrel if you don't put the oil on. Put the oil on, then it's like putting water into the inside of the barrel. Before I forget, I should really just remind everyone. Um, everybody should really be remembering this on their own also, but Sphira, I don't know, I hope everybody has their own reminders because normally, Dabbing with a minion is the best, um, the best reminder. Um, today we can't do that, so sphere is important. Meliar um, Agaro, starting the next mission up. You have a meliar that was the colder removed from the meliar. We're gonna say we're gonna see exactly what a meliar is. Shaisin a man of Shabbos, you are permitted to drink from that meliar on Shabbos. Antichi Abhishagrupa ain't chasing a man. Antichi, even if the coals are removed from it, you're not permitted to drink from it on Shabbos. What we're referring to here is the fact that you left the water in one of these two uh, implements before Shabbos in a way that is not permitted, are you then permitted to drink from that water on Shabbos afterwards or not? So depending on what type of implement it is, you may be permitted to drink or perhaps not permitted to drink. And we're asked now, what's the case of a miliyah So we learned that the idea is that the water is on the inside, some sort of system where you have water on the inside and some sort of... Um, Heating elements on the outside where you have the coals on the outside part of it. So if you remove the coals from the outside, then you're permitted to drink from the water on the inside, right? Probably because the coals are separated by the walls, it's not going to get that hot anyways. And therefore, you're actually permitted to leave the water in there, the and drink from it. And tihi, but what's the antihi? Rabba Amar Beikiri. Rabba says it is similar to a Beikiri, some sort of like a kira, like we learned earlier. It's something similar to a kira in which the coals and the, and the, um, the water are in the same compartment. Nachman says it is similar to a compartment of um, of pots. So a compartment of, of pots, right? Different types of samovars that they had in those days. So there's three different levels of samovars. One level is where you have the 
inside is where the water is. Then there's like some sort of outside container, like a circular thing or outside it that is filled up with coals. That, once you move the coals, the inside gets the coolest. Then you have some sort of beidudi, the an area like a pots type of samovar in which the, it doesn't get as hot as the type of which is closer to an oven, but it doesn't get as cold as the type of which is completely separated, right? So, Actually, the so traditional Russian samovar, it's, it's the opposite. And all throughout, all throughout Central Asia, which is, what, they have a chimney or something in the middle where the coals are, and then a vessel is built around side that, and the water is on the outside and the coals are on the inside. And, and so traditionally, that chimney would be filled with charcoal. And that, the water... that, that would seem to be the hottest, right? That would seem to be- Yeah, water. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the heat's going to go out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so if you say beidudi is not okay to drink from, then koshuke beikiri, and certainly the other type of samovar that's similar to a kiri type of setup is certainly not permitted to drink from. Madam or but if you say that you're not permitted to drink from the beikiri, have a beidudi loy, but then beidudi you would be permitted to drink from on Shabbos. Tanya kabase der Nachman, we have a rice like Nachman as well. Antichi afabisha grufa kutuma in choice in the menum of nation, chushta mechamamasa. A antichi, the, the reason why this is similar to Rav Nachman is like this. We learned in a Braisa, and antichi, even if it's Garva Katham, you remove the coals, you're still not allowed to drink from it. Why? Because the bottom of it is going to warm it up. So that implies the coals are on the bottom. If the coals are on the bottom, then that is similar to Rav Nachman Yitzchak. They said it's Beidudi. Beidudi is similar, is the pot type situation in which the coals are on the bottom, and therefore this Braisa seems to indicate like Rav Nachman. Okay. If you have, the Mishnah is a little bit unclear, and the Gemara is going to get into exactly what this means. A mecham, the, the hot water uh, urn or container, shepineo, that you cleaned out of it, right? You cleared it out. You're not permitted to put cold water into it. So that, so that the cold water will get hot. Exactly what that means, we're not sure yet. However, you are permitted to put into it or into a cup a lot of cold water so that the cold water will will cause the hot water to become lukewarm, right? And this is the halacha today also, right? If you have, let's say, hot water, you have a pot full of really, really hot water, right? So a klishen, a klishen, right? So the, let's say you have your urn, and you take your urn, and you, um, and you fill up a pot full of really hot water, right? If you put water into that pot, and that pot is still able to make that water cook, if you only put a little bit of water in, you're causing that little bit of water to cook on Shabbos, right? But if you put in a lot of water, that what's going to happen is none of that water is going to actually cook. The heat transfer is actually going to be so extreme that you're just going to cause all the water to turn lukewarm. But not, but your hot, your cold water is not going to become hot, right? I'm not talking about from a chemical standpoint. Like technically speaking, from a chemistry standpoint, there probably will be some of it that will actually turn very hot immediately. But halakhically, the way we would look at this is that if you put a lot of water in it at once, then the the way we're going to perceive it is that the entire thing just all became cooled off to lukewarm and none of it actually got to a level of cooking. So that would be okay on Shabbos, right? Micah, what are we saying up here? Amar Ravadar Masna. Ravadar Masna says, this is what the Mishnah is explaining. If you have a mecham that you remove from it the hot water, you can't put a little bit of cold water in. Why? Because you put a little bit of cold water into the into this vessel that was just finished heating up hot water, that vessel is going to cause the, the cold water to actually become cooked. We are permitted to put a tremendous amount of water into the hot vessel. Why? At that point, what you're going to do is you're going to cause the hot water to just become lukewarm. And once again, you're not going to be causing any cooking in that process. You're just going to be causing some lukewarm heating up of that cold water. 
The Gemara now asks, according to Radha Masna, what you just said is that you completely cleared out that vessel. So it was a metal vessel that was heated up on a fire. Then you cleared out the metal vessel, but the metal is still very hot. You then filled up the vessel with water all the way to the top. According to Radha Masna, it's permitted because you're not going to actually cause any of the water to become cooked because it's so much water. The volume is such that it's not going to actually cause any water to become cooked. The Gemara asks, you're going to do something called mitzarit, which we said earlier. Mitzarit is the idea of tempering, right? So how do you temper metal? So if you heat up metal really, really hot, and then you stick it into, anybody's ever seen any movie making a sword, right? So you, you heat up that sword in a, um, it doesn't have to be a sword, it could be anything. You heat up something, the blacksmith heats something up really, really hot, it turns red, and then he shoves it into the, the bucket of, of cold water next to it, and that tempers the metal and makes it better. Earl's gonna tell us now about his samurai, his katana, exactly how that's made. Well, um, well no. the water, well, it, no, that's exactly right. I mean, um, and you know the the question is the temperature of the water, you know, depending on the kind of temperature that you want. But yeah, that's exactly how it's done. Right. So you want to ask, what do you mean? That's mitzvah. Mitzvah is permit is not permitted on Shabbos. If you're going to take really hot metal and then shove a lot of cold water into it, you're causing the the metal to become a tempered in a way that's uh, beneficial for the metal, and that's not permitted on Shabbos. It's going to be tikkun mana probably, right? Tikkun mana is to fix. And it cleaves, fix a vessel. You're fixing the vessel. You're making it more appropriate for use. Shimoni, the Gemara says, this is the opinion of Rav Shimon. Why? Shimon's opinion, which we've come across again before, and we're going to keep it coming across throughout Shabbos, is that if you do an act and you do not intend for the second purpose of that act, then you're permitted to do that. So what, what did you intend to do, Obey? You intended to heat up your water from cold to lukewarm. You filled it, you put it into this very hot metal vessel. When you did that, at the same time, you also are going to cause the metal vessel to be mitzarev, to be tempered. But that's okay, because this is the opinion of Rav Shimon, who says that if your intention was not to do that, it's okay. Abaya says, Abaya says, I don't like this whole whole answer, whole explanation of this Mishnah. Why? Because the Mishnah did not say a mecham that you removed from it, it's water. What did it say? It said, mecham shepineyu, a mecham that you cleared from. So implications like this, if we meant to say that you fully cleared it out of all its water, it should have said a mecham that was removed, the water was removed from it. It didn't say mecham that the water is removed from. It said a mecham that shepineu, a mecham that was cleared from. In other words, not that all the water was cleared, only some of the water was cleared. Elmer bias, bias is out. It's like a completely oh, different way. Oh, oh, you mean they cleared the water from it? Initially. I was just saying well, they, 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 they cleared the coals from it. No, no, there are no coals in this mecham. There's a path that sits on top of the fire. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Elam Rabbi, Abayas is like this. This is how to explain it. And you cleared out some of the water from the mecham, but yet there is still hot water left in it. You're not permitted to put a little bit of cold water in. Why? Because if you put a little bit of cold water in, you're going to cause the cold water to cook. You are permitted to put a lot of cold water in, because then you'll cause the entire thing to become to become just lukewarm. So Abayah is saying, first of all, I have a problem with your explanation because the reading of the Mishnah does not work so well. And second of all, Abayah is also going to take care now of the problem of tempering because at least we think that Abayah will take care of the problem of tempering. However, if you have a mecham that you completely cleared out all the water, then you can't put any water in. Why? Because if you do that, you're going to cause it to be mitzvah. You're going to cause it to become tempered, which is forbidden to do on Shabbos. Rabbi Yehudi. So this will all be according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says, this must be according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that if you're doing something unintentionally, and that's not your intention, but it's going to be something that occurs through your other, through, through, through part of your action, then that indeed is 
permit is forbidden to do. And that's why Baya wants to say the Mishnah is not going with the opinion of Rav Shimon who says that Mekstareth, causing it to become tempered unintentionally is okay. Because this is not the opinion of Rav Shimon, this is the opinion of Rav Yehuda. And we're talking about a case where it was only, some of it was cleared out. And since only some of it was cleared out, we don't have this concern of Mekstareth at all. So Omar Rav, Rav says, Rav says, this which we say that it's permitted to, to put water in, that's only true when you're trying to make it lukewarm. But if you're putting it in to temper it, then it's forbidden. Shmuel And Shmuel says, even if you're doing it to temper, it's also permitted. Now to speak out a little bit of the timeline here. So there's a Mishnah, right? Tanayim. Then you have Rav Adab, Ramasa, and Abaya, later Amorayim. Then you have Rav and Shmuel, who are earlier Amorayim, okay? So Rav and Shmuel are not coming to speak to Rav Adab, Ramasa, and Abaya's conversation at all. They're just saying in general, are you permitted to put water in here for the purposes of zero? I'm sorry, not for the purposes. Everybody re- agrees you cannot put water in for the purposes of zero. The question is, are you permitted to put water in for the purposes of cooling down the of, sorry, making the water lukewarm, right? But not for the purposes of being mitzar, for tempering it, but it will also be mitzar if it or not. That's the question over here. Rav says yes. Shmuel says, Shmuel, Rav, Rav says you're not permitted to put it in if it's going to be mitzar. Shmuel says you are. Um, asks, Does anybody hold that you're actually permitted on Shabbos to do this? I'm coming here to temper the water on Shabbos. I'm coming to put cold water into hot metal on Shabbos because I want to temper the water. Does anybody see that that's permitted? That, that can't be. That's what the wording of Shmuel sounded like. It's even permitted to temper it on Shabbos. That can't be. Where it says, This is what you have to say. Rav says, Rav says that you're only permitted to put water in if the amount of water that you're putting in is only the water that is going to end up just becoming lukewarm. But if you're putting in enough water that's going to cause the metal to become tempered, then it is forbidden to do so. So Rashi explains like this. Rashi says, like, if you, generally speaking, you have this kettle, right? And what happens is you have, let's say you fill the kettle three quarters with water, but the top, the top quarter is not filled with water. You put the kettle down on the fire. What's going to happen is the top of the kettle that's not touching the water, it can become red hot. The rest of the kettle cannot become red hot. The top that can become red hot, if you put cold water into it, that's going to be tempering. Because if the metal doesn't get really, really hot, there's no such thing as tempering metal unless it gets really, really hot. So the part of the metal that anyways had water in it is not going to become that hot anyways in the first place. So when Rav says that you're permitted to put in water, he said you're only permitted to put in water up to the point that the original hot water level had reached. Because that metal never became red. Since it didn't become red, you're permitted to put water into it. But the metal that became red, the top of the pot that the metal did become red, that you're not permitted to put in. Because that, then would you be causing it to become tempered on Yomte. But Shmuel says, even if you're going to fill it up all the way to the top, it's still permitted. Why? Rashi says, because you do not have in mind to cause it to become tempered. So Shmuel is going to go with the opinion of Rev Shimon, that Dabr Shem is Chabot, something that you're not of intent to do, is permitted to do the action on Shabbos, even though it will also cause a different result. And Rav is going to go with the opinion of Rev Yudha, that it's not permitted to do that, even if you do not have intent to do that. And therefore, you're not permitted to put in water that's going to reach up to the point of where it might cause tempering, according to Shmuel, yes, according to Rav, no, depending on that, Machlekes. The Gemara is tomorrow, we're going to get into the Gemara of, uh, not, actually, we're not going to get into it tomorrow, because tomorrow is Friday. But tomorrow's daf is going to get into, it does Shmuel really believe, like the opinion of Rav Shimon, that Dabr Shem is Mutter or not. Okay. Take care, everyone. Be well. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, good night.